0: Only Jesus can set you free. You may be struggling with one of those things you saw up here, or you may be struggling with something completely different. And all of us struggle. If you look around, there's not a person in this room that's, that's, that doesn't struggle. Or they may not be struggling. They may be struggling right now with something that was represented up here or something completely different. We're in a spiritual battle. We are. We have an enemy. His name is Satan. And he hates you, especially if you're a Christian, especially if you love Jesus. He hates those that God loves, which is everybody. And he's out to destroy our lives. Those who have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, those who are saved. The Bible says that Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then you are saved. You have everlasting life. If you haven't, then today is a wonderful opportunity for you to do so. You can be set free from sin. And you can be given Eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you have given your life to Jesus, then you are, you have been enlisted into his army. You are a soldier of Christ. You have to stand against the devil and against his demons. And we can only do that in the strength and the power of the Lord. That's why Paul wrote in Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. See those things represented up here? Those are some of the wiles of the devil, some of the ways that he attacks people. This morning, we, I want to talk about I am a fellow soldier. We talked the first Sunday of March, I am a soldier. Last Sunday, I am his soldier. We're in the army of the Lord Jesus Christ, but... We're a fellow soldier. We have people, brothers and sisters, around us that we're fighting with. In fact, if you look at Ephesians 6, you'll see, you may not notice in the English, but he says in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, that's plural, and then each of the pronouns put on the whole armor of God that you, that's a plural pronoun. He's not speaking just to Lee Waller. When I read it, he's not just saying, Lee, make sure you individually put on the armor of God. He's saying to the church of Ephesus, he's saying to the church, the body of Christ today, make sure you, plural, put on the armor of God. He said, so that we, plural, can stand against the wiles of the devil. So this be strong, this put on the armor, this stand, this wrestle against principalities, that is a collective battle that we're in. Listen, we are not in this alone. Philippians 2.25, Paul wrote to the Philippians, and he, he called a the man there, funny name, Epaphroditus. Be glad you're not a name Epaphroditus. How would you nickname Epaphroditus? I don't know. But anyway, he said, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow, what? Soldier. And Philemon, Paul addressed Archippus. He said, Archippus, my fellow soldier. Listen, first of all, no soldier fights alone. No soldier fights alone. Often soldiers fight side by side. Ecclesiastes, the Bible says, two are better than one. Two are better than one. Do you want to go to battle by yourself? you want to face the enemy by yourself? No, we have a fellow soldier at our side. Two are better than one, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. The Bible says in Luke chapter 9... Jesus sent out the disciples. And listen to this passage. He called his 12 disciples together and he gave them power and authority over all demons. Do you think that was just for the disciples then? Or do you think you've been given a power and authority over Satan and his demons? And if you don't believe you've been given that power and authority, how in the world can you make it? But, the, but, but listen. It says he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he gave them specific instructions. And so they departed and they went through towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. In chapter 10 and verse 1, he says, These things the Lord appointed. After these things the Lord appointed 70 others. Besides the original 12, he appointed 70 others. And he sent them out one by one. How did he send them out? Two by two before his face into every city and to every nation. And look what he says in verse 17. The 70 returned to him with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. How? In your name, in the name of Jesus, the demons tremble. You see what you just saw up here today? It was the name of Jesus that caused those demons to tremble. It was the name of Jesus that they bowed before. It was Jesus... Jesus is the one who can set us free. Jesus is the name to whom all demons are subject. Paul had Barnabas when they went on the mission trip. Paul had Silas. They went out together. They didn't go one by one. You see, soldiers in modern warfare, they don't fight alone. They don't, they don't go out and battle alone. You say, what about a sniper? Isn't he alone? Well, if you've ever, you know anything about being a sniper, you know every sniper has what? A spotter, so he's really not alone. Our modern warfare never sends a soldier to the battlefield by himself. God will not send you into the battlefield by yourself. We need each other. We stand stronger together, we are better together. No soldier fights alone, but every soldier fights together as one. No soldier is to act independently of another soldier. In fact, uh, if you look at the uh, arrangement of our army, for example, and you'll see the graphic up on the, up on the screen, you'll see that uh, an army consists of about 100,000 to 150,000 soldiers. A corps is, is made up of 25,000 to 50,000. All the way down, a, a regiment is about 1,000 to 2,000 soldiers. A company, 100 to 250. Even the smallest grouping of soldiers, which is called a section, there's still 4 to 12 soldiers. So even the breakdown of our military units, there's never a unit that acts with just one soldier. No soldier acts independently of another. They work as a group. They work as a team. That's what Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says in verse 5, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers through whom you believed? As the Lord gave to each one. You see what was happening in that church is there were some who were saying, Well, you know what? I'm going to follow Paul. There was another faction in that church that said, Yeah, well, I'm going to follow Apollos. There was another faction in the church that said, Yeah, well, Peter. Peter's the guy, we're going to follow Peter. And Paul was writing this letter to this sick and weakened church because they were divided according to personalities in that church. And Paul had to remind them: listen, we're all. Together, we we don't act independently of one another. He says here in verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. He says, So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. Listen, no soldier acts independently of another soldier. When Paul was looking in... And when he was writing Ephesians 6, and as he was in a Roman prison, more than likely chained to a Roman guard, he was looking at their uh, armor. And he was describing their armor in a spiritual sense. He said, that breastplate, that represents the righteousness of Christ. That helmet, that represents the salvation of God. That sword, that represents the word of God, the sword of the Spirit. That belt, that's the belt of truth that girds us all about. And m- soldiers, Roman soldiers, often fought as a unit. And many times when they would face an enemy that seemed overwhelming for one soldier, they would often come together and link their shields together. They could link them together, and they were such to the extent of about four-foot-high shields, so they weren't just a a round shield. They were uh, about four feet tall, a couple of feet wide. They could link together, and they could make a barricade of shields to hide behind. They could even cover themselves with their shield and protect from incoming archer archery or arrows coming at them and they could advance step by step they didn't just duck and cover and hide they would cover using that shield and march forward one by one you see as we know even in modern warfare today battles are won and battles are won or lost based upon the ground that is gained and many times what the devil is after in your soul is ground. He's wanting, more, he's wanting more territory in your soul. He wants to control more of your thoughts. He wants to control more of your desires. He wants to control more of your emotions. And every time we, we uh, yield to temptation and we sin, we've given the devil that much more territory. And that territory needs to be reclaimed. We need to renew our minds with the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. And we need to advance But we don't do this alone. We do it in the power of God, but we do it in the fellowship of other believers. We do not act independently of one another. It's amazing and surprising, really, how people think that they can survive apart from the fellowship of other believers. Listen, if you're a Christian, a sincere believing Christian, you cannot survive outside the fellowship of other believers, not for very long. No soldier sent to battle alone. No soldier acts independently of himself. I want to show you another thing. Every soldier does his duty. You know, let me ask you this. First Sunday, many of you stood and said, "I'm in the military. I've been in the military." Um, I'm just, I just, I'm just going to pick on you, brother David. You're right here in front of me. That's what you get for sitting in the front. <laughs> What branch of the military were you in? Army. Army. Let's say, Brother David, that what was your responsibility in the Army? What did you do for the Army? Union crew chief. All right. Union crew chief. Is that what you said? Huey. Okay, Hueys. Oh, you flew in the helicopters. Crew chief in the helicopter. So you were over the whole everybody in that helicopter, right? What, what would happen if you didn't do your job? they wouldn't fly what would happen if somebody under your um, authority didn't do their job they'd be walking to plank he said <laughs> they wouldn't last very long but it's surprising how many people say you know I'm a christian i love jesus but they're not doing their duty Listen, you've been enrolled, you've been enlisted by Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Commander-in-Chief into the greatest army in the universe. And it's amazing how many Christians are just sitting on the sidelines. They're not doing their duty. Ephesians 4, Paul says in verse 11, And he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers... Now, he didn't give that's not an exhaustive list of the, the responsibilities in the body of Christ. That's just a partial list. But not everybody can be a preacher. Not everybody can be an evangelist. Not everybody can be a teacher. There's other responsibilities in the body of Christ. And he said, The goal is for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. And he says in verse 16, From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, that causes growth in the body for the edifying of itself in love. Are you doing your share? Are you a consumer this morning? You just came to consume. Let somebody else give let somebody else teach i'm just going to go and consume i'm going to get out of that church what i can get out of that church and you don't give you're not investing back listen if you were in the military you wouldn't last a day with that mentality would you brother david you would be court-martialed you would be dishonorably discharged but how, can a, how does a Christian think that they're okay with Jesus when they're just sitting on the sidelines and they have a consumer mentality? They're not taking up the armor of God. They're not picking up the weapons that God has given them. And they're not engaging the enemy in battle. Listen, if that's you, you are defeated. You are being bowled over by the devil. You are in his grip. If you want victory... The victory's already been won, but you gotta get in the, you got to get involved in the army that won the battle. That's Jesus Christ. Every soldier does his duty. It doesn't matter if you're in infantry or artillery air support, or you just have KP. You know what KP is, don't you? Kitchen patrol. You may even have BP or PP. <laughs> we used to, I was a youth pastor once, and I would, taking my kids off to camp, I would threaten them with PP. Listen, if you don't straighten up, I'm gonna give you your toothbrush and I'm gonna send you to the bathroom and you're gonna scrub that toilet with your toothbrush. Say, ooh, Brother Lee, you're mean. I never did it, okay? <laughs> I just had to threaten them. Potty patrol. Even if you all you have is potty patrol. You do it to the best of your ability. For whatever you do, you do with all your heart as unto who? Our commander-in-chief, the Lord, and not unto men. Every soldier does his duty. Soldiers share as one in victory and defeat. Soldiers share in one in, 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 as one in victory or defeat. You see, first of all, I want to clarify something, is that if you're in the, soul, you're in the army of God, you're in, on the winning side already. But it's a grand war that's already been won by Christ on the cross of Calvary and the resurrection. That war's been won, but there are still ongoing battles that each of us must face, individually and also as the body of Christ. But when we fail individually, we share and each other's failures. Listen, some, of, some Christians are finger-pointers and nose-looking looker-downers. That when somebody fails and somebody falls, which we all have and we all do and we all will, and what is defeat? Well, failure, by the way, especially for a believer, is never final. And it's never futile this young man represented up here, he had fallen to sin. He had been, in that particular battle, that particular day, he had been defeated. And and I wonder how many, if we could depict in some drama how Christian brothers, or so-called Christian brothers and sisters, and not the demons beating him up, but Christian brothers and sisters beating him up, kicking him, cursing him, looking down their nose, pointing the finger. Look what they did. Can you believe that? And they call themselves a Christian. Listen. If God were to somehow expose all the skeletons in your closet before a whole group of people publicly, is there a soul here that would not be humiliated? What right do you have, then, to point a finger at your fallen, defeated brother or sister? Listen, when one falls, that is a failure of all of us. We join as an army, as a unit. When that unit goes into battle, when a soldier falls, we all come to the rescue. The Bible tells us that. Listen to what John... uh, Jesus said in John, chapter 4, verse 36, He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. And then Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, chapter 7, he said in verse 3, I do not say this to condemn, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. To die together, and to live together. Listen, when a Christian brother or sister falls and fails, I don't care how it was, it doesn't matter what they did. What matters is they fell. Are we going to leave them on the ground? Are we going to leave them there to suffer? Some might be like the, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. The priest and the Levite passed by on the other side and, and looked down their nose at this, this man who'd been beaten and left for dead. And, and they wouldn't even stop him and help him. But then there are others who may even be more bold who, would, who might would go over there to that fallen brother and wag their finger and, 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 and judge them and curse them verbally. Or maybe you don't have the boldness to do that, but you would do it in your own heart. You would backbite. You would spread gossip about them. You would repeat their offense to dozens of people just to make yourself look like like you're good. You're better than that. Listen, I want to tell you, the devil's powerful. He's not more powerful than God, but any one of us in here are susceptible to any temptation out there. That's why we have to be on guard. That's why we need each other. We need to hold each other up. We share in victory, but we also share when we fall. And this is the last thing I want to say no soldiers left behind. Soldiers do not forsake one another, do they? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Bible says in verse 25 there should be no division in the body, but the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. We don't shoot our wounded. I believe every soldier learns this in basic training. No man left behind. We leave no man on the battlefield. In November 2004 Photographer Lucian Reed captured one of the most memorable battlefield images of the United States War in Iraq. Marine First Sergeant Brad Casall, bloodied but unbowed, was being helped from house to house fighting in Fallujah by Lance Corporals Chris Marquez and Dan Schaefer. In one hand, Casall gripped his 9 millimeter Beretta, in the other, his K-Bar knife. The image that you see on the screen has been turned into a bronze sculpture by Wyoming artist John Phelps, titled, No Man Left Behind. The sculpture was unveiled outside the wounded warrior west side at Camp Pendleton. To the Marines and probably every branch of the military, Reed's picture and this piece of artwork are testament to the indomitable fighting spirit of our military. That should translate into the army of God. No soldier left behind. We don't shoot our wounded. When one falls, we rush to their aid. We help them up. We carry them. For as long as we have to carry them off that battlefield to the hospital. By the way, where is the hospital? Well, it's... For Christians, it could be the church house. It could be the Word of God. It could be a safe place where they're going to be loved and accepted. It's not a place where they're going to be judged. How could you let yourself get shot? Didn't you get more training than that? Come on, soldier buck-up. Is that what they're going to hear? How could you slow down your platoon like that by getting shot and being wounded and, and making them drag you all the way through the battlefield? Come on, son, you got to be tougher than that. But isn't that what many Christians do when we fail? We may not say that to them. We just say it or think it about them. Where's the brave who will go next to, like Jesus did, that sinner, that fallen, wounded warrior? Get down where they are. Get dirty and bloody. Get messy. Maybe before you even help them up, you got to get down there and just be with them for a while. Just hold on to them for a while before you can pick them up. Help them. Get back to where they can get some help. Listen, that's, that's what real Christian soldiers do. No soldier fights alone. We fight as one. Every soldier does his duty. Every soldier shares in defeat and victory. And no soldier's left behind. That's God's plan for his body, for his army. Mr. James Cantrell was telling me this past Tuesday morning after our prayer time, as his CO was getting ready to leave, I guess retire, you know, he was talking about the fitness reports. Most soldiers never saw their fitness report. Not just their physical fitness, but their fitness to go into battle. Their success, how they were doing. But um, as this CEO was leaving, he handed Mr. James his fitness report. By the way, Mr. James was in the Navy. And Mr. James noticed one of those things that they asked on that fitness report. If you were to go to combat, would you want this soldier to go with you? So the CO had to not just check yes or no. There was a, according to Mr. James, there was like a scale one to ten. One being absolutely not, and ten being absolutely yes. And you just hoped you fell somewhere between on the closer side of ten. I would imagine. That's a good thought, though. If you were going to battle, would you want that person sitting next to you to go with you? That person sitting in front of you? That person sitting behind you? Now, listen, we're not not trying to fill out fitness reports for each other. Here's the point you need to be the soldier. You need to be the soldier that Christ needs you to be and that your brother and sister need you to be. Be that soldier. Be that soldier that everybody wants to go to battle with. You are a fellow soldier. You're not in it alone. Now, what are you going to do with this information? What are you going to do with this? Just agree with it? I wonder how many of you here today have someone you know you can count on no matter what. You say, my wife, I'd say, amen, my wife. Some of you would say, my husband, amen, your husband. Is there anybody else? I would encourage every one of you here today, men. You need to have another man in your life who you can depend on no matter what. A man you can share your struggles with, your heart with, who is a trustworthy man that can help you and stand beside you, that you can struggle together moving closer to victory. Remember, two are better than one. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Ladies, You need to have a godly woman in your life. A trustworthy woman who you can struggle with, who can understand you as a woman and your struggles, who will help you, who will encourage you, and you her. Maybe that's one takeaway this morning. Lord, who can I ask? Who can I look to who can we can I agree with to go to battle with me? Listen, some of you are losing a battle today because nobody knows you're going through it. You're keeping it here. You think, oh, me and God, we're strong enough. Yeah, God's strong enough, but He didn't create an He didn't put you on an island. Listen, but you're living like you're on a secluded island. Nobody wants to be on a secluded island. Well, some of you think, yeah, boy, that'd be paradise about now. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be paradise for about seven days, then you'd be looking for a friend. How many of you are just living in secret? Nobody knows what you're struggling with, but you act like you got it all together. God, you're, you're in rebellion. If that's you, you're in rebellion. I'm sorry. That's wrong. God never intended you to go through it alone. You say, oh, I can handle it. Me and God can handle it. God said it's not good for man to be alone. He gave him a wife, didn't he? Your wife or your husband are your primary go-to people. But men, I think you need another godly man. Ladies, I think you need another godly lady. And I think you need to be honest with those people and say, I want to share with you what I'm struggling with. And I need, I need some prayer support. I need some encouragement support. I need you to walk with me through this and I guarantee you they would reciprocate if it's the right kind of person that you're talking to. Let's bow our heads.